one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon, and you're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you can dial 702-650-5588. Again, you can dial 702-650-5588 to join in on our discussion today. If you have a praise report, a prayer request, have a general comment, we'd love to hear from you. If you're outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you, and that toll-free number would be 800-366-8883. I say again, Outside the Las Vegas area, 800-366-8883. We're also being streamed live on KKVV's website. That would be audio and video. And I said hello and God bless. I'm waving to you. That would be at www.kkvv.com. Again, www.kkvv.com. We also are being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website. And our website is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, please visit our website again, www.savethelostlv.org. Just select whatever you'd like to listen, let the Spirit lead you, and be blessed, and the gospel is always free on our watch. We are also being archived on iTunes, so if you have an Apple device, you can catch us on iTunes. Again, the gospel is always free on our watch. If you have a cell phone, most of you do or have access to one, you can listen to KKVV anytime that you like, but you can also join us today live in real time by dialing on a cell phone 563-999-3194. I really suggest that you lock that in your cell phone contacts. I'm going to give you that number again, 563-999-3194. 3194. It only works if you're in the United States. So with that said, we're going to get right to it. I'd like to offer up a special prayer to Pastor Joseph Terry's brother, Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence is transitioning. He is on his way to be with the Lord. Uh, Pastor Terry and Lady Desiree drove to be with him in Northern California. So we pray for their safe return, that they're having a wonderful visit uh, with their dear brother in Christ and in life, and that it is a celebration of his life because he is a believer and he is going home to be received by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So continue to lift the family up in prayer for strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you and amen. Today we're going to be talking about pastoring like the Good Shepherd. Who's the Good Shepherd? Jesus. Again, we're going to be talking today about pastoring like the Good Shepherd. Well, let's see what the Good Shepherd says. So we're going to go over to John, and we're going to look at chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 18. And then I'm going to give you a little context and uh, tie it all together because we're going to look at at least five things that Jesus did as the Good Shepherd so that we can see the correlation. Amen? So the FBI, when they study about counterfeiting and they're teaching their agents, they don't study counterfeit money. They only study real money. And they will be able to 
look at any dollar, any denomination, and tell if it's counterfeit or not. So if you really want to know about anything counterfeit, you can't begin to identify what's counterfeit unless you know what's genuine. And how you de decipher that is studying the word of God. So anything you want to hold up to the standard of truth, study the word of God. And you will be able to see what is true and what is not. I really encourage you to do that. So again, we're in John chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 11 through 18. And I'm in the New King James Version. I also have the Red Letter Edition Bible. So I see Jesus is speaking when I see red. So I'm going to verse 11 and the word of God says this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. 12, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own. 15. And the father knows me. Even so, I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it again. 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ speaking. He says, I have power to take it again. He also says, I have power to lay it down. And he says, this command I received from my father. No one has that kind of power. So he is truly the good shepherd. He is truly the one that sets the standard of what pastoring is and what it looks like. So you really, really need to appreciate what we're about to talk to about today and therefore you can look at what Jesus did and decide about pastoring and what it looks like because it's very important see when Jesus said come follow me it was because he was transparent and whatever he said he did but you also see that he says I laid down my life and he says that the father knows me. You have to catch that in your spirit. Truly. So let's look at it a little bit deeper. Again, we're talking about pastoring like the good shepherd Jesus. So that ought to stir you up a bit. So let's look at what we see about Jesus and his walk as he pastored. Because he shepherded. Teaching and preaching the traditional doctrine. He taught the word of God. Now, in addition to that, 
He was the Word, and we find that when we read the Gospel of John. The most important thing he did was he prioritized the relationship he had with the Father. You see, all when he was talking about the Good Shepherd and what he was, it was because of his relationship with the Father. He tied that in constantly. You're going to see that in his life and in his ministry. His priority was his relationship with the Father, number one. Number two was he preached the gospel. Number three, he met the needs of the people. Number four, he made disciples and his disciples made disciples. And he maintained a life of service and sacrifice. So we should see this to those who are pastoring. Their relationship with God. They preach the gospel. They meet the needs of the people. They make disciples and their disciples make disciples. And they maintain a life of service and sacrifice. So let's bring it more down to present day. So you'll see people in a position of pastoring, teaching and preaching the doctrines of the Bible. Uh, they do caregiving such as making visitations. They may go see someone who was sick and shut in. They may go to uh, hospitals. They may go to uh, prisons and jails, comforting people, uh, taking care and meeting people's needs. Uh, they also perform rites of passage such as marriages, um, baptisms, funerals, or home goings. Uh, then there's an administration part where they have to um, take care of paperwork. They have to put together church announcements, develop programs in churches, select staff, uh, evangelism. And then they are God's ambassador. So they are there local in the community representing God the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? And then you have other houses of worship where they are on a mega scale. And mega churches means anything that has a thousand members or more. And they kind of treat things as a business. Uh, they call themselves sometimes CEOs of the church. They're the visionaries, if you will. Uh, they have corporate salaries, some of them, you know, perks where they get homes and vehicles and jets. They have a wardrobe budget. Uh, they have press secretaries, social media, TV, radio, print magazines, books, a lot of conferences, a lot of fundraising, uh, travel nationally and internationally, have a huge staff and even bodyguards. And that looks a lot like corporate America. But again, Jesus' first priority was to build and to have a relationship with his father. So let's look at some scriptures that show how Jesus is in relationship with his father. And you're going to notice something very, very important that Jesus does. So we're going to start off with uh, Matthew. So we're going to go to Matthew 14, and we're going to look at around verse 23. And I hope you're ready to take some notes because this is very rich and it's important and we should know these things. 
So we're going to look again, Matthew 14 and around verse 23. And I'm in the New King James Version. And the Word of God says this, And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Now, he had did a lot of ministry that day. And he sent the multitudes away. And then he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when the evening came, he was alone. So notice how he purposely went by himself up on the mountain to be with the father to pray and that he was alone. Now let's look at Mark chapter one and we're going to look at verse 35 and you're going to see a theme here. We're going to look at verse 35 again, Mark chapter one, verse 35. And the word of God says this, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. We see in the evening he prayed and he went to be by himself with the father. Then we see in the morning before it's daylight, so it's still dark outside, he wakes up. Uh, he leaves out of the house. He's in a solitary place and he prays again. He prays in the morning before he starts his day. He prays in the evening before he ends his day and he's communing with the father constantly. So let's look at Luke chapter six and then let's look at verse 12. Okay, so we're in Luke chapter six, verse 12. And let's see what's going on in Luke. All right, verse 12, and the word of God says this. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Again, he's finding a solitary place. Uh, he's going up on the mountain to pray, and he continued all night and prayed to God. Prayer is so powerful. In establishing a relationship with God. This is tantamount. This is what Jesus was doing. He's God wrapped in flesh. He's the hypostatic union of God and man in the form of Jesus. He's showing you how important it is to commune with the Father before you start your day, before you end your day, during your day. And it's all right to pray all through the night. Amen. Now, Matthew 21 is important. So let's go to Matthew 21 and then we're going to look at verse 13. A lot of you are familiar with this verse. It has an A and a B part to it, uh, but we're going to concentrate on the A part. Again, Matthew 21 and we're going to look at verse 13. I am getting there. We're going to be doing a lot of studying of the scriptures today. So, Verse 13, Matthew 21, and the word of God says this, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That's the part B, excuse me, the part A and the part B, but you have made it a den of thieves. We're concentrating on the part A. It says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. His house, the house of God, the house of worship. 
it shall be called. He said, it is written. It shall be called a house of prayer. Now, there are a lot of things that go on in God's house when you go to a traditional uh, house of God, you know, worship environment. You'll see a lot of singing. You'll see a lot of uh, prayers going forth. You'll see a lot of uh, sermons going forth. You'll see um, baptisms. Uh, you'll see people coming to the altar for prayer. You'll see a lot of administration. People be reading bulletins. There'll be announcements. There'll be visitors being pointed out. Uh, if there's something going on, uh, they'll make the announcement about what's going on in the community and, you know, what role the church is playing in it. Uh, there'll be children's church. They'll talk about fellowship uh, during the service. After the service, there'll be things that'll be going on. But notice what Jesus says here. He says, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. That is the most important thing that should be going on in God's churches is prayer. Jesus is showing you what is important. And that's what's more important than anything. Yes, there's activities. Yes, there's um, order of service None is more important than prayer. He says, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Whether you're in a traditional worship environment, whether you're at home, just understand what he is prioritizing, prayer. That is the language that God wants us to speak to him in, is prayer. Coming to him in prayer, humbling ourselves, submitting ourselves, Knowing that that's the most important thing that you could ever do in this life is to talk to God and to continuously talk to him. Because it shows that you recognize that he is God. That you have an understanding and reverence for who he is. He is the most high God of all earth, all heaven, all creation. You recognize that. And that that is what you want to end your day with. That's what you want to start your day with. That's what you want to do continuously throughout the day. There's nothing more important than establishing your relationship with God. And that's what Jesus made sure that anybody who was able to witness him see that, that they knew that for themselves. Amen. So the second thing that it is, is that he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, there are people preaching gospels, but they're not necessarily the gospel of the kingdom of God. A lot of people are preaching the gospel of me. A lot of people are selling their version of the gospel that makes them the center. It's always about them. Well, they're not the ones that went to the cross and gave their life for you because you were a sinner or for me. There's nobody else that has done that. So we have to be very, very careful as to what gospel we are adhering to. But he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. So let's look and see that. Number one, we've established that the priority with Jesus and pastoring like the good shepherd, which is Jesus, was one is to 
establish a relationship with the father. Now, number two, he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. So let's look at Luke four. And we're going to go down to the 18th verse. And let's see what the word of God says. And if you're just joining in with us today, we're speaking on pastoring like the good shepherd, Jesus. And we started off with John chapter 10, verses uh, 11 through 18, where he says, I am the good shepherd. Now we're going to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 18. And the word of God says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed And 19 says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. He says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He said because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Wow. Jesus said this. It's written in red. It's just so transforming and invigorating. He says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Mm, mm, mm. You just got to take that all in and just savor that. That is so rich and wonderful. Oh, we serve an awesome God. Yes, we do. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to look at verse 35. And the word of God says this. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. See how clear that is? It says that he went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Remember I told you? He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's so important that we get that. Because again, people are preaching a lot of gospels. But it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. They're preaching me, myself, and I. And then they try to hijack the word of God. But like I said, if you study the word of God, you'll be able to see the counterfeit gospel. And you'll definitely be able to see those who are bringing the counterfeit gospel. Because there are those who are. Don't find it strange. There are false teachers among us in the houses of God. It's evident So don't be shocked. Be armed with the word of God so you'll be able to recognize it. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2 and we're going to look at verses 46 through 50. Again, Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 46 and then we're going to go to verse 50. Verse 46 
Now so it was after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. 47, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. 48, so when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I sought you anxiously. 49, and he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? 50, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Jesus was a young man at this particular time. And they had gone in for one of God's holy days. And Jesus had got separated from his family. And they had made it home and they had to go back to get him because they're like, we don't have Jesus. And in that time that they were separated, those those verses that I just read you, they were astonished. He questioned them and asked them questions. And this was the teacher's that he did that too. And when his parents, you know, finally were able to get back with him, his mother, you know, like any normal mother, like, why would you do this to us? And his response in verse 49 was, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Wow. They didn't understand that at the time. Rich, like I said, very rich. We're going to look at 1 Timothy. So let's go over to 1 Timothy and we're going to go to chapter 4. So 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's get to chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 13. Again, I'm in the New King James Version, and the Word of God says this. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Wow. Like I said, preaching and teaching the gospel. It says, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Now we're going to go over to 2 Timothy. Now that was the Apostle Paul talking. But we do know that the Apostle Paul is credited to writing at least 13 of the 26 books of the New Testament, possibly 14. Um, The book of Hebrews uh, has some Pauline themes, but it has not been definitively decided that Paul is the author of Hebrews. But we know uh, 13 books for sure that he is the author of. So let's go to 2 Timothy. We're going to look at chapter 3. A lot of you are familiar with this verse. And we're going to go to verse 16. And the word of God says this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Again, preaching and teaching the word of God. It's very important that we understand that. So we know that, number one, Jesus placed priority with the relationship that he had with the Father. Second, he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. And third, he met the needs of the people. 
Now, we have been seeing that in some of the scriptures we have read previously, but we're going to go to Matthew 9, verse 36. Okay, so we're going to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. I tell you, Holy Spirit, you got me on it today. We are flipping these pages, and it's wonderful, and I appreciate all your help. Thank you. So, verse 36, again, we're in Matthew chapter 9. And the word of God says this, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Wow. We know that when we read previously, what did he do? He went to their synagogues. He preached in their synagogues and he healed them of every disease and sickness he's meeting their needs but he sees how weary they are and scattered he sees the spiritual aptitude in them you know aptitude when you when your muscle is not being used then you have atrophy hypervy is you got too much use of the muscle so he sees the shrinking of it. He sees the shrinking of their spirituality, how hungry and thirsty and how scattered they are and how they've been left uncovered and untended. We talked about earlier how wolves will come in. We we talked about that in John 10 when we looked at verses 11 through 18. And that um, they are those who are hirelings and they don't care about the sheep. And when the wolf comes, they leave and they leave the sheep abandoned and just pray for the wolves to slaughter them. It's important that we understand that pastoring is meeting the spiritual needs of the people. It's important because we're more spirit than we are physical. Yes, we have a tent. Yes, we have a house, but the body was meant to die. We were born to die, but the spirit that is in us, we became a living soul when God breathed into us and his breath is eternal. Subsequently, our spirit is eternal. So we need to concentrate more on the spirit man than the physical man because the spirit man is going to live forever. And a lot of us get caught up in circumstances. And we should not forget what's really important here. It's understanding and receiving the word of God. And Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is in our lives. Let it be that living, breathing, healing, soothing, outpour for you. Let it rain on you. Let it get deep inside your pores. It will fortify you. You will develop the whole armor of God. As you read about that in Ephesians 6. 
you will develop that. You'll be able to withstand it, whatever it is. Because you're relying and standing on the word of God. It will protect you. It will fortify you. It will heal you. It will bring you back to life. It will show you that God is a loving God, a merciful God, a forgiving God, a saving God. One who is sovereign. Don't let the deities fool you. Those that are deities believe that God just came and created the earth and now he's left. It's like he checked something off his list. He's not that type of God. He's a right now God. He's an ever present God. He's a, I never left you God. All you have to do is open your heart to receive him and his word. And that's what Jesus is demonstrating. This is what he's done. He's set the standard for us to follow and for us to receive and to believe. I just get very, very excited about it. So we have one, he establishes a relationship with the Father. Two, he preaches the gospel of the kingdom of God. Three, he met the needs of the people. Four, he made disciples through the power of the Spirit. Well, let's look at that. We're going to go to Luke chapter 10. So let's go to Luke chapter 10. And we are going to go to verse 2. And the word of God says this. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send us out laborers into his harvest. What did he say? The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's a great work that's available for us to be a part of. There's no unemployment in the kingdom of God. Your gifts will make room enough for you. Step out on faith. And become a laborer. The kingdom is hiring. The kingdom is paying you spiritual dividends. The word of God is clear that it will meet your needs. Now, your wants and your needs are two different things, but you won't lack for anything because what God provides for you is what you really need. Your wants can cause confusion and bondage and despair and separation from God in your life. Be careful what you wish for. You might get it. Be concerned that God knows you because he's created you uniquely. 
and he will finish the good work that he started in you. So if he is your creator and you are his creation, trust and believe he knows everything you need. More importantly, he knows when you need it. You don't want to receive something out of season. Fruit does not taste good unless it's in right season. It can even possibly cause damage to your body. Be patient and know that he is God. He has not forsaken you. He's not that type of God. But his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So just be thankful and humble and patient and revel in the fact that he has created you and he loves you. That should be enough. It really should be. Disciples should be making disciples as well. So let's look at some scripture to dwell in that. It's not enough to be a disciple of Christ. Your life is not your own. Your life was paid for with a price. The Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and was crucified for your sins. So his blood that was shed is the full propitiation the full payment of your sin. So all souls belong to Christ now because he's the one that died for you. And I don't know anybody else who did that, who was even capable of doing that. And who would even want to do that. But he did. We should be thanking God continuously for that. That's why we're here. And we have a great opportunity to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and see him face to face. We're going to Matthew 18, and we're looking at verses 15 through 20. And the word of God says this, verse 15, Moreover, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. 16. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. 17. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Verse 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, we have an obligation to be there for our brothers and sisters of Christ. It's important. We're a family, we're one body, you know, one spirit, one Lord. And this is the way that we should be operating in and amongst ourselves who are part of the family. 
the family has eternal privileges and divine blessings. So it's important that when we become a disciple, that we make disciples. As we model Christ, we should teach others to model Christ. But in order to do that, you need to be the example yourself. Amen? So let's look at 1 Peter. So let me get down to 1 Peter. And we're going to go to 1 Peter, and we're going to look at chapter 2. And once we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to go to verse 21. And the Word of God says this, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Again, it's about disciples making disciples. Christ chose his disciples, but they had a responsibility to grow the body of Christ. And that is done by making disciples, about being in relationship. See, when we have brothers and sisters, we are growing and we still adhere to our father. In heaven, God Almighty, we still adhere to the one that saved us. That would be the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he ascended back into heaven to take his rightful place as the son, he sent down the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit to be an indwelling in us until our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returns. In the Old Testament, there was visitations. But now, when Jesus had completed the work of salvation, there is an habitation of the Holy Spirit within us until Jesus returns. We have great spiritual gifts and blessings because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done the work for us. Amen? So we have to make more disciples. Amen. And we do it by how we model Christ. So let's go over to uh, the book of uh, Colossians. Let me get back to Colossians and we are going to go to chapter three and we're going to look at verse six. I want verse 16. I apologize. So we're in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. And the word of God says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the same of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and Father through him. Amen. See, it says that we should be a certain way with one another. Amen. And that we have to do this in word and in deed. 
all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. That's about family. That's about, again, disciples making disciples. Amen. And how we should treat one another and how we should care for one another. It's just absolutely riveting. It's not enough that you have come into the family. It's important to invite others to come into the family. And we should be excited that we have that opportunity, that we have been entrusted with that assignment. A lot of people say, well, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? It's important to master being a son and a daughter. Then you should have no problem being brother or sister in Christ. Amen. So two things we should inspire to be sons and daughters of the most high God. Then we should have no problem being brothers and sisters in life in Christ to one another. Now we're going to go to the book of Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews. We are going to go to chapter 10. And if you just have joined us today, we're talking about pastoring like the good shepherd, Jesus. Amen. So we're in Hebrews chapter 10. And we are going to look at verses 24 and 25. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And the word of God says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day is when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. So it says, one another, let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Again, it's about number four. He made disciples through the power of the Spirit. But in making those disciples, those disciples made other disciples. So we need to follow the model. Number five, he gave his life as a sacrifice. Well, let's go back and look at Matthew. We have shared this, but we will share it again. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter nine. And we are going to look at verse 36. And the word of God, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. All right. And the word of God says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Thirty-seven. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Thirty-eight. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send our laborers into his harvest. Like I said, Jesus understood when he saw them. 
where they were spiritually and how weary they were and had they had been scattered and unattended to. And he knew that the laborers were needed. And he said, pray for more because the harvest is great. Our reward is great. That's going to be in the kingdom of God and living in heaven forever. It's truly great. But until that time happens, we got work to do. And that means that the life that you used to have, when you truly become sold out, when you truly humble yourself and you want to be a servant of the most high God, that other life will fade away. There'll be other people in the life will be calling you back. They'll be becking you. Your life is not your own. When you become a servant, a willing servant, and that is your true desire, that's all that matters is your thirst and hunger for the Lord Jesus Christ, for God Almighty, to totally listen to the Holy Spirit, totally pray and consecrate yourself to be set apart, to be at the Father's calling and beckoning. Yes, it's sacrificial in nature. But there's nothing like being a servant for the most high God. Nothing, nothing even comes close to describing it. It's indescribable. It's a calling. It's just something that not only do you want to do, there's nothing else that can even compare You don't get persuaded about what can I do? Well, am I going to do this? I'm going to do that. No, it's just about serving. And it's a process. And you stay on the journey, you'll get there. Amen. We're looking at Luke, excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Then we're going to Luke. We're in Luke, again, forgive me, Mark 10. Verse 45, I better read it because uh, Luke is beating me up, wants me to get to it. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, and the word of God says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Say that again, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, that's it. You can hang your hat on that one. Luke chapter 22, and we're looking at verse 27. Again, we're in Luke 22, and we're going to go to verse 27. So let me get to it. It's coming down to the hour where we will be closing very soon. Luke 22, verse 27, and the word of God says, For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? It is not he who sits at the table, yet I am among you and the one who serves. Giving your life to the service of the Most High God, to the kingdom of God. And now we're going to go back to Luke 19, 
And we are going to read verse 10. So we're in Luke 19. And we need to go to verse 10. And the word of God says, Today's salvation... No, that's part of verse 9. Verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, you know that speaks to me. (laughs) And what God has given me to do as a ministry. Amen. Serving. Serving. So to put it in a summary, we talked today about pastoring like the good shepherd Jesus. And we opened up with John 10 verses 11 through 18, where Jesus clearly states, I am the good shepherd. So we know that in modern times, it's confusing sometimes what pastoring is and what it looks like. But we have gone over the scriptures today and we have established that number one, Jesus prioritized that the relationship with God, the father was the most important and that he went away to pray all the time, all through the night, day and night, all during the day Two, he preached the gospel. But he preached the gospel that was of the kingdom of God. Number three, he met the needs of the people. He watched them. He listened. He observed them. He understood what they needed spiritually. Amen. For he made disciples and his disciples made other disciples. And they taught and they correct and they modeled and they did things in love in Christ. Five, they maintained a life of service and sacrifice. That's what pastoring looks like. So pastoring like the good shepherd, Jesus, this is what it looks like. We love you. God bless you. Save the lost at all costs. It is our humble prayer that the most high God of all creation and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit-filled, live-called-in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. 
All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what. Why don't you?